No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where God finally speaks from out of the whirlwind, rebuking Job for darkening counsel with words without knowledge. Then he asks him many questions for which he still has no answer. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 38 on Simply the Bible. Elihu was concluding his speech to Job. He had been motivated by the fact that Job justified himself rather than justifying God. Meanwhile, a storm was starting to brew on the horizon. Elihu even referenced the fact that God controls the weather and does with it whatever he wants. Well, since we don't understand how it all works, how can we teach God? Then Elihu said, He comes from the north as golden splendor with God as awesome majesty. But no one, not Elihu, not Job, not Job's three friends, expected what would happen next. We continue in Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. The Lord spoke to Job out of the whirlwind. Now that's interesting because the covenant name of God is used here. The Lord, Yahweh. The name would not be even revealed until God would appear again later on from a burning bush to the man named Moses. And then he would say, Moses, I am that I am. Yahweh, the Lord, the self-existing eternal one. Now, Job had longed to have this one-on-one meeting with God. At least that's what he said. In his final speech, he said, Oh, that I had one to hear me. Here is my mark. Oh, that the Almighty would answer me. Now, God shows up to answer Job's questions. But as we shall see, God would answer Job with lots of questions. In fact, 77 questions to be exact. It reminds me of a story that I once heard. A rabbi was having a conversation with his friend, and his friend said, So why is it that you rabbis always answer every question with a question? And the rabbi said, why not? So this is what we have. We have Job wanting God to show up so he could go to court with God and be able to make his case and so forth. God does finally show up, but he asked Job many questions. First, he said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Job, in his misery and in his suffering, had spoken many, many things. Many things about God, things about death, things about all kinds of things he didn't understand. And even Elihu challenged Job with that, saying, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Now God shows up and pretty much says the same thing. It's always a danger to vocalize our opinion about matters for which we have little knowledge or really no knowledge at all. You've probably heard this saying, a little knowledge is dangerous. And it seems that this is almost a national pastime these days. Never have I encountered so many wannabe virologists and government and CDC experts that 
seem to know exactly how everything should be going down. But how much do such strongly opinionated people really know? How many years of education do they have in these subjects? How much do they really know about the inner workings? How many classified documents are they privy to? How many scientific papers have they authored or even read? It is dangerous to darken true counsel with words without knowledge. And yet, we've all done it. Now, Job had done this, and now God was calling him to an account. The Lord told Job to gird himself up like a man. This speaks of a soldier tucking his cloak up beneath his belt so he is then free to fight, free to run, free to do whatever he needs to as a soldier. Now, today we might say, man up. And God wanted Job to prepare himself for a wrestling match, as it were, a wrestling match of words. The Lord would question Job with questions he could not possibly answer. Many of these questions, even to the present day, we cannot answer. All of this was no doubt intended by God to show Job just how much he didn't know. Warren Wiersbe has said, Knowledge of our own ignorance is the first step toward true wisdom. I like that. Verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for glory. God goes back to the very, very beginning. Now understand, Job has been finding fault with God about how he runs his universe. You know, he's just like, well, why is it that God doesn't judge the wicked? And, and seeking to find fault with God. And so God just takes him back and just, hey, you know, were you there when I designed all of this? When I was the architect and the builder and I put it all together and, and while I did, the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That phrase, the morning stars, is a reference to the angels. In the book of Revelation, we see that a third of the stars uh, went out of heaven, that the dragon took a third of the, the stars, which referred to the fallen angels. And so here's the sons of God, the, the angels, all rejoicing, singing together when God put it all together, when he laid out the universe. Where were you, Job? Were you there when all this happened? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it? And set bars and doors. When I said, this far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. As we went through the account in Genesis for the six days of creation, we see how God separated the landmass from the sea. And he determined where those waves stop. He separated it out. Were you there, Job? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal 
and stands out like a garment from the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken this amazing process of god bringing the dawn every day and as the light comes it brings to relief it shows up all of the things in darkness and of course the wicked flee because they don't want to be in the light they they love the darkness and so you know that whole process from god's perspective as as the morning every day sort of shakes shakes out the wicked you know do you command that do you have that kind of control job have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death. Now, you'll recall earlier that Job was talking all about death, that the death really have no consciousness. There's sort of a sleeping and so forth. And he's saying, have you been there? Do you even know what this is about? Because that's really not the way it is. Uh, but have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? In darkness, where is its place? Now, that's interesting. Have you thought about that? I mean, we talk about light being a wave and, and having different light waves and so forth, but, you know, we can measure how fast light travels, but when you turn on a light, where does the darkness go? What happens to it? Uh, where is the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place? That you may take it to its territory, that you may know the paths to its home. Do you know it because you were born then or because the number of your days is great? Again, God, when he created the earth, he separated light from darkness. And that speaks not only in the physical sense, I believe, but also in the spiritual sense. God is the one who separates the darkness from the light. Have you entered the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble? For the day of battle and war, by what way is light diffused or the east wind scattered over the earth? Now, we have seen times in, in the past when God used hailstones like for Israel to, to defend them and rain hailstones upon the enemy. God controls these things. He says, I reserved it for, for the day of battle and war. It's going to happen again in, in Revelation. Who has divided a channel for the overflowing water? Or a path for the thunderbolt to cause it to rain on a land where there is no one. A wilderness in which there is no man to satisfy the desolate waste and cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass. Has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice and the frost of heaven? Who gives it birth? The waters harden like stone and the surface of the deep is frozen. Just so many amazing things in the weather and how the hail is formed, the snow, the ice, the polar caps, all of this that God controls. Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Maseroth in its season? Or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? Now, you know, all they could do back then is just sort of look up in the sky without a telescope 
and watch the constellations. But as we have been able to learn more through astronomy and through greater telescopes and so forth, and we understand that you know we're just a small part on the corner of the Milky Way galaxy and, and all of the orbits of the stars and everything that's moving around. And God is saying, look, do you control all of the, the movements of these things? Can you bind the cluster of Pleiades? Or loose the belt of Orion? Can you control the movements of the stars that are out there? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that an abundance of water may cover you? Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Just the, the amazing thing. It seems so random to us to watch a lightning bolt you know, strike the ground, but not to God. He's directing all of it. Who has put wisdom in the mind? Or who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can pour out the bottles of heaven when the dust hardens in clumps and the clouds cling together? It's amazing. God can actually count the clouds. But how do you know where one stops and the other begins? And how can God take all of the mist in the cloud and suddenly just pour it out like he's just dumping buckets? (laughs) And so... This is just the beginning of God humbling Job to show him how much he didn't really know. And he thought he could control everything so much better than God if, you know, he was going to tell God how to do it. But there was so much Job did not understand. And there's so much we don't understand. And who are we to question God? And so as we continue in this, we will just see uh, God's got some more questions for Job. And it's fascinating. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll see that as God continues his reply to Job, he points out the characteristics of the creatures he has made. It's an unexpected response to Job's questions. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.